Welcome to episode four of Be a Bigger Fish. This is the podcast series that explores the power of podcasting to grow your business or your community. I'm Debbie Aurelius and I'm the host of this podcast. The star of this episode is Teresa Heathwaring. Teresa's a social media marketing consultant, an international speaker and a podcaster. I love Teresa's energy and ambition. She learns from the best in her business and she podcasts with the best in her business. And in this episode, she gives us a step-by-step breakdown of how she creates her weekly episodes and she shares the secrets of how she went about securing some high-profile guests for her show. I found Teresa's approach and her guidance really motivating, so I hope you will too. I'm really excited to be speaking with Teresa today. So Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming along. So Teresa has built an amazing business as a social media marketer, and she has a fabulous podcast series. Her podcast series is less than a year old at the point of recording, but she's already interviewed no less than Pat Flynn and Amy Porterfield. So talk about starting right at the top. That's really impressive, (laughs) Teresa. You'll have to tell us how you managed to do that um, as we go through. But I wondered if you'd like to start by telling us a little bit more about you and about your business. No problem, not at all. So as you said, I'm Teresa Heathwaring and I am a social media marketing consultant, trainer and international speaker. And basically I have spent my entire career in marketing. I did a degree in it. I worked for huge companies like Land Rover. I used to uh, do their corporate marketing and I worked for lots of little companies. And then I went into agency work and I joke that I think I had an early midlife crisis because (laughs) I am an accidental entrepreneur. I never intended (laughs) ever to have my own business. And I had, I had got myself into this situation where my husband had left. I was on my own with my daughter who was about four at the time. And I had to pay a mortgage and pay for my car and manage everything. And I somehow decided overnight that I was going to quit my job, which was a really wise Mm. move, obviously. And I basically decided I was going to hand my notes in and I was going to work for another company. And I'm sure everybody would want me, how very arrogant of me. (laughs) I then handed my notes in and forgot that these people had to pay my salary and they might have wanted me, but obviously I was not a cheap member of staff. So anyway, got to, I gave my current employer eight weeks notice. It got to about two, three weeks in and I was starting to panic because I was Mm. thinking, I haven't got a job to go to. So someone approached me and said, would I help their social media? And I was thinking, you know what? Maybe I could do this. And literally decided on the spot, I'm going to start my own business. And then my current employer got wind of it and asked me to leave immediately. And I had no savings, no husband, no rich parents, no nothing. And I literally went from zero to having to earn enough to keep a household and my daughter and I fed and and had to do it overnight and I did and I I kind of joke that I couldn't tell you how I did it in the early days I just knew I had to basically get out there and get clients and work really hard so that kind of got me started and I started doing social media for people and then I realized that 
although that was great, actually the bit I love to do is train and teach and speak. So I now spend a huge amount of my time traveling and going to the States. I do lots of things in the States and I do uh, talks and I do training and I love doing that. And I just love helping businesses get from overwhelm and complete sort of you know, they don't even want to think about social media all the way to feeling calm and happy. And it's actually giving them something that actually getting a return on their investment. So we now have a team of six of us. They're all international and they're all virtual and we all work together and we manage social media for clients. We manage advertising for clients. We do, I still do one-to-one consultancy. Um, and then we've got exciting things coming out like a course and a membership. So it's wow. all really good fun at the moment. That's just a super story. It's so impressive that you started literally no job, <laughs> no money. I was um, an idiot. <laughs> I well, don't recommend anybody else does it, by the way. <laughs> I love the phrase accidental entrepreneur. I think that should be the title of your memoirs. Um, but... I like it. I think that is. And I keep using it because everybody I interview, everybody I talk to, they're like, oh, well, when I was at school, I used to do this and used to do that. And, and I've always had this streak. And I just thought, I never did. I like... It literally didn't even occur to me to have my own business. And I kind of, for a long time, couldn't even use the word entrepreneur because I just thought, I'm not one. I don't know what they're talking about. And then slowly as time's gone on, I've kind of taken it on and thought, yeah, maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I can say that's what I am. So yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Step into that space, I say. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Well, that's amazing. And it, through all of that activity, um, what motivated you to start podcasting? So I probably uh, a couple of years ago, one of the things I have to do in my business, even though I have a degree in marketing, social media and the digital world, digital marketing moves at the speed of light. Literally, it's one of the fastest industries in the world. And even though I have my marketing degree, my marketing degree didn't, well, social media didn't even exist at that point. So there was no way they could have referenced it or talked about it. So one of the ways that I started to build me and my profile was I decided to go and find the world's experts and be trained by them. So I signed up for training courses. I did webinars. I did all this learning and podcasts for me were an amazing way that I could keep my, my kind of, um, level up in terms of knowing what I know. I can keep up to date with all the latest trends, the updates. I can learn new things. And you know what I love? That I can do it while doing something else. So in the early days, I'd have done a lot more travel than I do now in terms of local driving around travel. Obviously, I do more international travel now. But And I was in the car a lot. Or in the morning, I get ready and I literally, you know, you do your makeup on autopilot and I have my phone there and I have a podcast going. So for me, I loved podcasts. They were a really good way in which I could learn and build my business. So it was really interesting when I was then looking at what regular content I should do. And I'd been doing blogs and do you know what, in total honesty, A, I hated doing them mm. because I don't write naturally. I'm not a natural writer. And B, they just weren't getting any gravitas. They weren't getting anywhere. They weren't getting the readership that I wanted. And in my space in particular, social media is such a huge area that for the to try and do a blog and to try and reach an SEO or get people to find you searching for stuff, it's virtually impossible because Mm. it's such a competitive keyword that blogging that way is really difficult. So 
uh, and again, I love talking. I just joked that I can talk <laughs> for Britain and my parents would agree that I can talk for Britain. Um, but I love talking. I find it fairly natural. I like speaking on stage. And then I also did, um, have you heard of Myers-Briggs? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I did my Myers-Briggs and one of the things it said was, that uh, you connect with people. And actually, if you're thinking about selling or promoting a service or a product, you should do it from stage or face-to-face because right. people much better connect with you. And for me, the podcast was just the step on for that. So it was a real way that I could connect with my audience. They could hear me. I could be myself and natural and get my content across. So it was kind of twofold. It was one that it really fitted with what I liked and a way for me to get content out, but also a way that I had used, you know, to find information and learn and develop myself as well. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, I recognize that real love of podcasts that you developed mm. before you started making your podcast. I would say it's exactly the same for me. So it's yeah. amazing to have all those thought leaders and, you know, industry titans in your back pocket, literally while you're on the commuter trip totally. to wherever you're going. It's... And that ability to do two things at once. I hate wasting time. I am very fierce with my time. I, I try and maximize everything as much as I can. And for me doing a car journey, and I'm the same with audible. I consume audible. Like I, I must do a book a week. It's ridiculous, but I just like having that kind of, even if I only take one or two things from an entire podcast, that's still worth my time of sitting there listening to it while I'm doing something else. You know, I never do it when I'm working or anything like that. It's always where it's a mundane, nothing, task so yeah. making dinner doing the washing up getting ready in the morning driving the car anything like that that is me listening to a podcast yes I totally get it I've got a huge garden and I really dislike gardening so the only <laughs> thing that makes gardening bearable is to have a podcast episode I've been looking forward to listening to so <laughs> I love it I love yeah it. <laughs> great way to use your downtime so totally. yes so when you decided it was a really good medium for you because mm-hmm. it matched you what you're passionate about and also your sort of personality and your skills mm-hmm. um what were you hoping the podcast would achieve for you so for me uh there's a couple of things one i said i love teaching and training so if someone wants to listen to my podcast every week and know as much as i can possibly give them then brilliant that was a huge part for me that people could learn from it in a easy consumable way The other thing from a business perspective was I know how important regular content is for anybody and any business. And I, although I was doing the blogs, they weren't consistent because I wasn't consistent. They weren't getting the traction and I knew I needed a, and when we look at um, James Wedmore, who we've talked about, because he's a good uh, podcaster, he has something called the Ascension model in a, I'm in um, one of his groups. And what it is, is at the bottom is your free content. Then there's your kind of next step up, your paid content. Then there's the higher end paid. And then there's a the really expensive stuff. And then right at the top of the kind of Ascension model is one-to-one time with you. And that is the most expensive thing someone can buy. So my, my free bit at the bottom was kind of missing. So the, the aim of the podcast is one, to get my brand out there, to get me out there, to get people to know, like, and trust me. And I love it. I love hearing from people. I always encourage them to contact me and I will always speak to them. I will always reply to their messages. And I love nothing more than 
you know, getting an Insta story where someone screenshot their car or their phone or, you know, and they've put listening to Teresa and, you know, this is a great episode or whatever. That is just like the best thing ever for me. Yeah. And ultimately, if and when I launch my membership or my course and it suits those people and they want to come into that, then brilliant. I do use my podcast as lead generation and I find that it's easier to do that than I did on the blog. So one of the things I do is I offer content upgrades on my podcast. Mm -hmm. So a content upgrade is, um, just in case you don't know, basically it's a bit of information that sits alongside the thing that you're teaching. So for instance, I have just recorded a podcast that comes out in two or three weeks time where I am talking about uh, reviewing this year and how it's been. We're in December, obviously right. I'm sure this podcast is going to come out, but we're, we're in December recording the podcast. So I've done this podcast episode where we can talk about reviewing the previous or the year we're in and then planning for next year. And because I talk about lots of different things in that podcast, and I know if people are like me, they're doing two things at once, they're not going to be able to necessarily get all those points down or they're not going to be able to remember them all. So what I do is I have I have put, not yet, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put all these points in a really nice worksheet. I'm going to make it so they've got space to fill it out, make it so that they can use it as a working document. And basically it's just the content that I talked about in the podcast, but they're then, they can then just download the document and fill it in at their own leisure once they've listened to the episode. Right. And that is a content upgrade because they have to give me their email address and uh, name in order to do that. So it's kind of that way I'm getting people into my funnel, into my email list um, who are interested in certain things. I don't do it every episode. In fact, I haven't done it for ages. Um, and I tend not to do it on interviews I tend to only do it on solo episodes, but for me, it just really helps people out. And I know that Amy Porterfield does it all the time and I love it. <laughs> She'll talk through a strategy and you think that's brilliant, but I'm driving. And then she says, and go to my show notes and you can download this. And I think, thank you, Amy. Perfect. And I know what she's doing and I know it's a lead generation thing, but I am more than happy to go into her funnel and be part of that lead generation because she's helping me out. She's put together this worksheet and I've got it and it helps. So. You know, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of us understand there's a model and, you know, mm -hmm. people are inviting you to their website for a reason. Yeah, but yeah. you're right. If it's genuinely good information and you need that, why would you not go there? And and don't ever feel like, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel mm. bad about asking people to give you their email address. Because like I said, I'm taking the hard work out of that process for them. And if they don't need it and they don't want it, then that's absolutely fine as well. You know, it's not like... Um, and people ask me, you know, well, what's the podcast doing? You're spending money and your time and effort. And, and, and I know it's a slower build and I know it takes time, but I see it build every single week and things like the, the content upgrades. That's where I can start to justify it a little bit more to myself in terms of the spend and the time in terms of kind of saying, okay, we've had that content. Uh, you know, we're giving them that content, but I've got their email address. So I have got something back from it. But for me, at this point in time, my main aim with the podcast is to build my awareness, to build my listenership. And then hopefully as time goes on and they learn to love and like and trust and know me that they'll then want to engage with me in one way or another. Yeah, right. Okay. And I think it's interesting you used that phrase earlier on in the conversation that know, like, and trust. That's, mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the underpinning, uh, I guess, values of social media marketing, isn't it? Totally. From, from my understanding. Totally. And you've got to, 
people think that social media and marketing in general, and a bit like the podcast as well, that it's like they forget that it's humans talking to humans and they think they can just sell to them like that. So they, you know, and I, the way I do this, the way I liken it is imagine doing real face-to-face networking and behave like you behave on social media. So imagine walking up to someone and going, hi, I'm Teresa. Do you want to buy my things? They would think you were crazy. (laughs) Why do you think that's acceptable on social media or marketing? It's not, you know, it's this slow build. So sometimes when I talk to people about the podcast and people say to me, oh, I might do a podcast and I go, shall I just tell you what it takes to do a podcast and how much I spend and the effort I put in? Because it's the hardest thing I produce without Mm -hmm. doubt. Now, am I sorry about that? Not in the slightest. I'm more than happy to do it because I know what it's doing for me and my business. But I think sometimes people kind of underestimate what putting a podcast together is going to do for them. So, and, but like I said, it's that kind of no like and trust thing. It's the fact that they are hearing me in their ears every week. And I, I just want to quickly say, I've done exactly the same. James Wedmore, the first time I heard from James Wedmore was on his podcast and I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. He launched a product and I don't mind telling you that his, uh, the course I bought was three and a half thousand dollars and I bought it because I had listened to so much of his stuff. I loved him. I still love him. And I have now moved up to the next level and I'm, I pay for a much more expensive coaching program with him. But I started with a podcast. It started because I listened to his podcast. Someone had recommended it to me and I fell in love with it and I fell in love with him and what he stands for and the quality that he puts out. So it, it can work. And I am testament of that because I've done it. I've, I found people through podcasts and I've then bought from them in the end. Yeah, right. Okay. And two really interesting points from, from that part of the conversation. One about the effort it takes to mm-hmm. make a podcast and two about the rewards. So before we get onto the juicy bit of the rewards, mm-hmm. um, tell us about the effort that you had to put into it to get it going. Oh man, honestly, it's so (laughs) funny because again, I was in it completely naively and then to do it right, I then realized how much effort it takes and how much work it takes. So first off, I committed to doing it every single week and I committed to do it for a year. Okay. So Mm. regardless of whether I had one listener, 1000 listeners or, you know, a hundred thousand listeners, I told my team right, we're going to do this for one full year because I can't tell people to be consistent with their marketing if I'm not. Mm. And, and I knew these, I know these things take time to build. Now, am I going to stop after the year? No, I'm not. I loved in the podcast, but I, I just thought to myself, I need to put a kind of limit on this is how many I have to do as a minimum before I decide whether it's a success or not. Because the problem is, the chances then I might have gone into like five episodes and gone, oh, it's not working and then given up. And that would have been pointless. So that was the first thing that I set that goal for myself. And then I started to put together the process of it and working out who would do what. So basically in short, I'll try and keep this brief. I obviously have to come up with content ideas, which is way harder than it sounds because even though social media is a huge subject and there's so much to say about it, it is quite difficult to find content every single week that you're trying to kind of, that's going to be helpful and useful and and you can talk about succinctly and talk about confidently. So that was the first challenge coming up with some content ideas, but I did a big brainstorm and we put loads of stuff down and I worked with one of the team in order for her to help so we could bounce ideas off each other. 
So, oh, and I should also say the first 20 something episodes I did were solo episodes because I wanted to get really good at the process of it before I then went out to get interviews. So then I obviously have to think about what I'm going to talk about that week. So there's a bit of prep involved with each individual podcast. So obviously I need to think about what it is I'm actually going to say. I don't do it verbatim. I don't know how anybody could. I literally give myself, you know, let's say I'm giving you five tips on how to use Instagram stories. Then obviously I've got those five tips written down and I might have some vague notes around them to sort of don't forget to say that or don't forget to say that. And then obviously you have to record the podcast. In the early days, that takes way longer than you think because you're not used to it. And also I used to stop. Every time I messed up, I'd stop and I'd be like, oh no, I messed up. But then what I was doing was stopping my flow all the time. Mm. So it was taking me so much longer to get back into it. Whereas now, much to the delight of my editor, I literally just talk. And even if I mess up, I normally pause and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to start that again. And I'll talk to the mic and he just takes that bit out. And then obviously, so I leave it pretty much going now because that's the quickest and easiest way. So I can probably get a podcast that's probably 20, 30 minutes done in about 40 minutes. Right. So once I've recorded that podcast, I then send it off to my editor who edits the podcast. So he obviously puts my intro and outro on. So obviously I had to have them recorded. He cleans it up, takes out all the mistakes and whatever. He then sends it back to me. So I pay him to do that. He then sends it back to me and I then send it out to the show, the um, team member that writes my show notes. So I have someone on the team that does that for me. Um, And at this point, I don't even know what the title of my podcast is yet because I obviously know what I'm going to talk about, but they might come up with a way better title than me. So I send it to them. They write the show notes. And at the same time, I also send it to be transcribed. Mm-hmm. So I use rev.com who are brilliant. They're a dollar a minute. Although when I started doing like 60 minute podcasts, it soon adds up every week. Um, so I also find Trint. So um, Trint are, I think someone said they are owned by Rev, but I'm not sure. But Trint, they transcribe stuff, but um, through a computer. So the only thing with that is I don't use it for interviews because they would find it hard to distinguish between the two voices. Whereas Rev is a person listening and literally transcribing what you say. Um, So I only use Trent for the solo episodes and I have to do a fair bit of editing. If I've mentioned names or um, programs or things that obviously are a bit unusual, then I have to go through and edit. But it's a really easy editing suite, but obviously there's an element of time doing that. But Trint is much cheaper, like it works like way cheaper than Rev. So again, I have to get it transcribed, I pay for that. Then obviously I get the transcription back and I get the show notes back. And on the transcription, it then gets put into a PDF. And at the moment I do it, but actually I'm just training up one of my team to do it. So we put it into a nice format so it's branded. And, and the funny thing is I laugh to myself because I think I don't even think anybody's downloading the transcription. However, I do it for search engine optimization point of view. So then we have to design or make the transcription look nice. Then uh, we use the show notes title. Oh, and also I go in and clip bits of the podcast and then we create our social media posts. So my VA, uh, she basically gets all the clips because I choose the clips because I think for me, I know what my audience want to hear. I know the real juicy bits. So it does mean that I have to spend a bit of time going back through the podcast and once it's been edited and kind of go, oh yeah, that makes a good clip. 
Also, I take a quote as well. So I have to search a good quote. So that takes time. And then I send all that to my VA. She produces the social media posts. We put it in a, so we use Canva to, to do the posts themselves. And they were designed by a designer. And we just kind of constantly update with the podcast title and the episode and the picture if we've interviewed someone. And then we use a system called wave.co uh, and it's wave with double V, I think. And that uses a, um, you upload your audio file and it puts a physical sound wave on it. So it turns them into little videos, which is brilliant for social media. And then we have all them. And then I send the podcast, the show notes, the transcripts to another one of the team who's over in the States and he uploads it all to iTunes, puts it on the website, gets it all ready to go live on Sunday. Uh, so it goes live on a Monday. So he does it late Sunday night and that's the podcast process. Wow. It, big. <laughs> it is a big process, but I'm so grateful to you for talking through that from end to end because you've pulled out all the really important parts of it there. You know, it's all about the the content and it's also yeah. about what you do with it afterwards and how you edit oh. it and how And you that's use the hard that. bit really. That's the bit that takes the time and the money. So obviously bearing in mind and don't get me wrong, you know, if you're just starting, you don't have to get someone to write your show notes. You don't have to get, you know, some, you don't necessarily even have to put a transcript up. So you don't necessarily have to pay for that. You don't have to pay for someone to edit it. I used to edit all my podcasts to begin with. I didn't find it that difficult. I was quite surprised. I thought it would be, but it wasn't that hard. I use Adobe auditions. Um, and also I used audacity as well in the early days. And you don't have to get all those people to do those things. But obviously for me, that saves me huge amounts of time. Sure. So for me and my business and trying to manage my own time, that helps me just do the bit that I, I need to do, which obviously is the recording, and then I can pass all the other bits on. But of course, in doing that, I have to pay every time for someone to edit it. I have to pay for someone to do the show notes. So the podcast for me, and in fact, I haven't even worked out how much it's cost me for a year because I don't think I want to. I think it's <laughs> But for me, it totally is worth the money. And like I said, I don't want to look at how much that money is because I can work out in my head that I, I would say on average, I reckon you're probably talking about $100 a week, right? I think, to do the podcast. And like I said, it doesn't have to be that way. But for me, because I want other people to do these bits for me and I want the transcription and I want the social media posts. And, but I think for everything, it probably, it would probably average out about a hundred dollars a week, which compared to writing a blog, you know, <laughs> that takes no effort whatsoever in terms of, or no money. So yeah, it is a big, it is a big investment, but like I said, the feedback and the reach and the, uh, the kind of stuff I've had back from it is so worth it. Absolutely. And that leads me on to that second big topic, which mm. is the reward. So how is your podcast paying you back? So at the moment, it is really helping with my brand awareness. It's really helping with people to engage with me and get to know me. And I am having the most loveliest feedback through social media. So, and that for me is, is a really good one. So basically during each podcast, I'll tell people to come and find me. And at the moment, my main kind of platform that I'm on a lot is Instagram. So I get a lot of people DMing me or sending me Insta stories or tagging me in things. And that for me is just lovely. And I know that fans and followers don't pay the bills, 
but I know that those people will convert. And okay, at the moment, I'm not in the position where I'm offering something online. However, I have had clients come straight from the podcast. I had someone phone me the other day. It was brilliant. He, so if someone inquires through the website, they get booked in to have a conversation with me. And he booked in and I got on the phone call with him and we were chatting away. And half of it, he was like, oh my God, this is so weird. He said, I listen to your podcast every week. I can't believe I'm talking to you. And I was just howling. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So for me, it has actually converted into some customers. Um, but generally for me, it's building that, that profile and the credibility in that, the credibility of um, having that podcast out there, giving all that free knowledge. But also the other thing it's done on the kind of flip side is it's enabled me to reach out and develop relationships with big people in my industry that I wouldn't have been able to do without the podcast. So I wouldn't have been able to sit and have an hour conversation with, you know, Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn, Brian Fanzo, you know, all these amazing people, if it wasn't for the fact that I was interviewing them for the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And so tell us how that came about. How did you get in contact with those people? Was it genuinely through the podcast? So uh, with those, now I had always decided that when I interviewed people I wanted it to be good like I knew there are there are loads of people that do what we do in terms of social media there are lots of good social media experts out there but as with any industry there are like the people at the top of the tree and I wanted those people now you're going to think I am absolutely insane and I am a little bit but (laughs) it was worth it now Amy and Pat are literally the top of the tree like you know, there's a couple of others that sit up there with them, but from also podcasting point of view, yes, they are the king and queen of podcasts. You know, they have amazing podcasts. So I had, had to be fair, I'd already met Pat a number of times. I'd been out to the States a number of times. I'd seen him at conferences. Pat and I had actually spoke on the same stage. Um, and therefore we were sat in the same green room and stuff, which was amazing. Yeah. And I joked because he was on before me and I said, you're my warmer pack, Pat. And <laughs> I was going to laugh at that. So, and the other good thing for me is I'm British, obviously. And in the American market, I stand out because I'm British. So people do tend to remember me a little bit more than maybe if I was American while I'm, you know, being out there. So anyway, I'd got, I'd known Pat a little bit and then Amy, I had met her twice, but again, only at conferences and briefly, literally take a photo, move on type thing. But she was lovely. And again, we chatted and you know, I reached out to her on Insta story a couple of times. And so I basically would DM her when she said something or reply to one of her stories. So we'd had a conversation about, um, she's got a stepson the same age as my stepson. So I just happened to comment on something and she obviously picked up on the fact that I knew. And so we'd had a tiny brief conversation. So I decided I was at a conference, Pat was there and someone asked him, how do you get good people on podcasts? And funnily enough, John Lee Dumas was there as well. And he, um, I got to be interviewed by him or got uh, to be asked a question. And my question for him was the same. And the two things that these two people said was John Lee Dumas said, do at least, well, he actually said 50 episodes on your own, but I thought it's not excessive. Um, so he <laughs> said, do loads of episodes on your own, get good, then ask. And Pat said, build relationships with people. And when you build a relationship, they will come onto the podcast. So I took, and he he actually said to this person, invite them out for a coffee. And I thought, I'm going to take your advice. But of course, I'm over here in the UK. You're over in San Diego. So I made the absolutely slightly crazy decision to just fly out and 
invite them for a coffee. Wow. So I contacted them on Instagram before, because I know both of them are very active and they do their own. And I contacted them on Instagram. And I sent them a video direct message. I literally put myself on camera and went, hi, Amy, how you doing? Type thing. And I said, you know, uh, I was speaking to, or Pat Flynn mentioned that if you want to get to know people, take them out for a coffee. Well, that's easy to do if you live close to them. I'm five and a half thousand miles away. However, I've decided that you're worth the effort and I'm going to come over and will you meet me for a coffee? And at this point, I had no intention to ask them on the podcast. In my head, it was there. And I thought, if, it go, if they meet me and it goes well, when I'm back in the UK, I might ask them. But I didn't want them to feel like that was the only reason I was doing it. Uh-huh. So anyway, I, I messaged Pat and without hesitation, he immediately got back, booked in. Amazing. Met, uh, so I was meeting him for coffee. And then Amy, who's very busy, and I thought to myself, oh, I, this might not you know, work. Also, literally days after I'd done it, Amy put out a podcast saying five things she used to say yes to, which she now says no to, and one of them was meeting for coffee. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is hilarious. It's a good job I didn't listen to that podcast before I did it, because I would never have done it. Anyway, again, after a lot of to and fro, and Amy came back and said yes as well. So we flew over to the States. We did um, a meeting with Pat that was meant to be an hour, ended up being two, took me to a studio. It was amazing. The same happened with Amy in terms of it was meant to be an hour, ended up being two, just chatting away. And both of them said to me, we were talking about podcasts and I said, I'm only doing solo episodes at the moment. They asked me why. And obviously they, they met separately. So it was weird that they both almost said exactly the same thing. And I said, well, basically... I'm really scared to ask anybody, right? I said, because what if they say no? And they both said, without me even saying anything, well, if I'm on your list, I'll, I'll come on. And I was like, oh my word, you are crazy. And I was like, are you on my list? You're at the top of my list. Yeah. So that was it. I had Amy and Pat like in the bag. And for me, what I then did was I looked at who was in Amy's circle of influence. Who does Amy hang around with? Who does she know? Who does Pat hang around with? Who respects Pat? Who likes Pat? And then I went to the next people. So for me, Rick Mulready, he is very good friends with Pat and Amy. So he was an easy one to say, Rick, would you come on the podcast? And he immediately said yes. You know, I had Tyler J. McCall, who's friends with Amy, immediately said yes. I've had lots of people who the minute I... I'm able to say I've had Pat and Amy because it gives me so much credibility Yeah. because Pat and Amy wouldn't come on any podcast. It took me the effort to go out to the States. I'm not saying again, everybody should do that, but I knew that building that relationship was so important. And also I knew, and I know this sounds completely weird and stalkerish, but I knew we could be friends. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just knew they were such nice people And Amy was amazing. And she was like, when are you next over? We're going to do cocktails. You're going to come to the house. You're going to meet Hobie. And of course, I'm sat there internally, like literally screaming in my own head because I'm like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Fangirling, like you wouldn't imagine. And outwardly, I'm like, oh, that'd be lovely, Amy. Thanks so much. (laughs) That'd be awesome. But it was amazing. It was so good. And like I said, 
having those quality people on have made a huge difference because people take you seriously. Yeah, I bet. And that's just amazing that you went to that <laughs> length. And I think you're absolutely right. Why wouldn't those people be your friends? Because you know, you're in the same industry, you've got you know really similar personality types and aspirations. And, yeah. and it's it's brilliant when you have those conversations that are based on a lot of commonalities. And what's really funny is I know that I'm in the world of social media and digital marketing and digital space. But for me, there is still nothing more powerful than physically meeting someone and telling them that I was going to fly over because I wanted to meet them. And I knew that I could meet them at conferences, but they're busy at conferences. I wanted to get out of the space where no one else was in order to get me to stand out. And, and like I said, I genuinely, genuinely wanted to meet them. I genuinely wanted to, to kind of build a relationship with them. And in my head, I thought that might eventually lead to them being on the podcast and to then have them offer was just phenomenal. So good. Yeah. And it's really interesting to hear you say that actually that that sort of face-to-face -face meeting, that's the mm. ultimate sort of goal. Yeah. And isn't it fascinating that such a virtual kind of medium like podcasting um, helps you to be clear about how powerful it is when you meet the right people, the people that you really want to meet and yeah. kind of helps you to cherish that in-person contact mm -hmm. even more ironically um, which is, you know, quite interesting. Yeah. And then, like I said, having having met then people that I've never met before and I get to speak to them and they're fascinating and their stories are great and they're great for my audience. And, and I love that too. Like, you know, and often I will ask other people I've interviewed who they think I should interview. So that's really helped as well. So um, I interviewed Chris Strub. I met him in person. Mm -hmm. um, he's a social media guy over in the States. I met him in person. He said, yes. And then from Chris Strub, I said, who, is there anybody else you think? And he recommended a lady called Bella Vasta, who is going to be at Social Media Marketing World this year. And she talks about Facebook groups and that's an area I've not done enough on. So it was amazing interviewing her. Her interview's not out yet. Right. But it literally was like, I could pick and pick and pick her brain. And it's yeah. like, how amazing is this for me personally to A, be making all these connections and B, be learning all this additional stuff, you know? Yeah. So for me as a, in my own personal space, this is just an amazing medium and an amazing way that I can do this. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love those podcasts too, where you get the impression that the host is genuinely learning mm. from the person they're speaking with. And you feel like you're invited into that learning journey too. Um, and yeah. you get that that sense of um, discovery, I suppose, and, you know, real pleasure in, in finding out really helpful yeah. information. So no, it's yeah, awesome. That's super. Well, you, you spoke a lot about um, trust and credibility and those sorts of mm -hmm. things. Do you feel like when you're podcasting, it's easier to, I guess, give more of yourself and share your personality more than, say, blogging mm -hmm. and other forms of media? And do you feel that helps to build really good business relationships or personal relationships with the people who listen to you? Absolutely. I think for me... I could try and get my personality over in blogging, but it just didn't come across. And also, um, I love speaking on stage, but lots of people don't like doing that and they get nervous and I get nervous still. And sometimes I do, I speak and I think, yeah, that was awesome. And I was natural and it was brilliant. And other times I'm terrified or mm. I'm not sure of my content or, you know, anything I'm not feeling very well or whatever it might be. And it can have a real effect on it. And therefore, you you know, it can be difficult sometimes to let yourself relax enough. 
for me in the early days doing the podcast, I was much stiffer than I am now. I was much more conscious of making mistakes. I deleted out anything that wasn't perfect. And then I had some friends or some colleagues that obviously in my space who know me and it was funny enough, it was Andrew and Pete, um, who are big guys mm. over here in the UK and I've had them on the podcast and we're, you know, I'm good friends with Andrew and Pete and Andrew contacted me and said, it's not you. Like, you know, it is you, but it's not you. Like, yeah. you know, you're not as natural as you normally are or not. Cause we have a laugh all the time. We, we, Andrew and I are a nightmare. Pete hates us being, spending time together cause we literally don't stop laughing. And he's like, I feel like you could relax a bit more. So after the first few, and I think it's a definite thing of you've got to get used to it. So after the first few, I started to relax and I started to become more human and more uh, vulnerable, I guess, is a word that we use a lot in this space, that we talk about being vulnerable. And I am still very cautious about how vulnerable I get. However, I am a lot more honest than I used to be or God, that sounds like I was lying. I wasn't lying, but I just wouldn't have given as much, whereas now I do. And actually what's really funny is the ones where I think I ramble and I actually will say on the podcast, oh, I just went on then, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And those are the ones where people go, that was amazing. I love that. That was brilliant, which is really funny, you know, because in my head I'm sat there thinking, oh no, that's not a great one. And they love those ones. So that was really interesting. Yeah. I did a podcast episode that is that came out a couple of weeks ago about vision boards. And I literally talk people through my vision board and I tell them what's on it and what goals I've got. And again, as I was doing it, sometimes I do these and I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's a bit too much information. <laughs> but actually, again, those are the ones that people really relate to. Those are the ones that people are like, yeah, I haven't done that. I need to do that. Or that was, you know, great of you to say that because I've got the same or I have the same problem. So for me, it enables me to be more honest and open and I guess frank about what it is like to be an entrepreneur, to run a business, to build a brand, to have dreams and goals and to be completely honest about all that. Um, But also it's a really intimate thing. Like, I'm sat in their earbuds, in their ear, you know, and I try and think about that when I talk. So I try not to think when I'm introducing or saying hello, I try and make it really personal rather than being like, hi everyone. You know, I want it to be like, as if I'm talking directly to them. Um, So I try and make it a bit more like that. And like you said, I try and imagine someone sat at the other end listening and I am always so grateful to them. And literally you know one mistake that people make and I guess they make it in the podcasting world is they think that numbers mean everything they think that if they haven't got 10 million downloads I mean Pat when I interviewed him 50 million downloads he's had I mean that is insane um you know and I think people think if you haven't got millions of downloads oh it's not working it's not that great but for me I would rather have, and I think we're averaging about a thousand downloads a month now, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And every month that increases, which is great. But for me, I would rather have a thousand downloads a month and have every single one of those people be like, Teresa, this is amazing. Or reach out to me or connect with me and want to get to know me and, and for me to help them than necessarily have tens of thousands and people not really you know, be fussed or bothered or whatever. So I think trying to, the connections are super important, but don't get too hung up about it needs to be millions of people. You know, if you are helping and I, the fact that I'm helping, you know, whatever it might be a month 
and their learning is just phenomenal. That is really impressive, I have to say. <laughs> and and I think you're right. It's not it's not necessarily just a numbers game. You know, no. relationships are so important. Um, yeah, and I think building that kind of that familiarity and that friendship almost um, mm. in this way is is super important. So, and also like turning people onto podcasts. Full stop. Like, you know. I will often talk about other people's podcasts that I listen to because I love them so much. But it, so if someone finds me or someone knows me and thinks, oh, I'll give it a whirl just because I know you, but then ultimately gets turned on to, you know, actually podcasts are brilliant. And I find this person and that person and the other one. And, you know, that for me is, is again, just fantastic. I love that. You know, it's so funny. Someone was like, oh, aren't podcasts old now? And it's like, no, <laughs> like now they're taking a whole new resurgence. You know, so again, if you can do it and you're happy to do it because there are a million, there's a stat and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but how many blogs get produced every single day. Yeah. And it literally is millions upon millions and millions. Whereas there's not many podcasting because it takes effort and time and, and you've got to be properly serious about doing it if you're going to do a weekly podcast. But now I feel like if I didn't show up on a Monday, people would go, where are you? And I like that. I like the fact that that's making me accountable, but also that they're, they're kind of having me in their week and their day and, and they know that's what they do. So I've got one guy that listens every Monday, the minute it comes out on the way to work, you know, and that's so cool knowing that yeah. that is the case. So yeah, it always keeps me spurred on. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, the little wins, these just one person saying something makes my week. And one of the first people who ever commented on the podcast and put up an Insta story and tagged me in was a woman in Australia saying, yeah. I'm just doing my housework, listening to Teresa Heath wearing. And I was just like beside myself with excitement. Yeah. It was hilarious. And I just think, do you know what? I hope to God that I forever stay this way. And I'm sure I will. I'm that sort of person. But like, you know, like James, I tagged him in one of his the other day and he shared it and, you know, put thank you on it and stuff. And I just think, honestly, whether you've got 10 followers or 10,000, you've got to appreciate every single one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a lovely thing to say. You mentioned your Myers-Briggs profile and the fact yeah. that you love talking and I really get a sense that this is your real strength area. Mm -hmm. um, but you've also mentioned the fact that there's an element of vulnerability and you tend to give probably more um, authenticity of content when you're talking um, than you yeah. do when you kind of type out a blog. So if you're the sort of person who feels that that's a really big step to actually have the courage to step out, be vulnerable, mm -hmm. share something about yourself, what kind of advice would you give that person to get them going? So I think one, one, you've got to be comfortable in doing it. Now it's not to say, like I said, to begin with, I wasn't as, as relaxed as I am now, but you've got to naturally like talking about your subject. Secondly, you've got to know your subject because do you know what? I have done blog and um, podcasts on subjects. I'm not as au fait on because social media is such a huge, huge topic. So there are some things that I've done them on that I've thought, Oh, that was difficult because I didn't know it so well. So know your subject and then, and I know this is a really hard one, but be passionate about it. You know, I love what I do. I love the space I'm in. I love the people I interview and I am literally like so excited about things. And I think that comes across, you know, I was listening to someone the other day, because again, I listened to a lot of podcasts and it was a marketing podcast and it was out of interest and they were, they were lovely, but they were dry and they were mm -hmm. quite 
straight and it was more obvious that they were kind of uh, maybe reading or not naturally kind of just letting it go. And I think even though it's scary and you do think I'll mess up and I do mess up and some things, obviously you can just edit out. Lovely, brilliant. You know, you never know that's a problem. But other things, it's like, it's okay to get a word wrong or have to, you know, straighten up what you're saying or whatever it is because we are humans and we make those mistakes. So for me, I just think if you're going to do it, one, commit to doing it and knowing you've got to do it, Batch content before you start, always a great thing. I'm, I was terrible at batching content. I literally hardly did any. I started with like two or three episodes, but then okay. I used to do it on the fly, like literally week on week on week. And of course, as I've already told you, I have team members that do stuff and they would be emailing me going, uh, Teresa, have you got the episode yet? Because we need to do the show notes so that you can actually get this out for Monday. And I literally have done it on a Friday afternoon and have the most amazing team. I'm not kidding you. Friday afternoon and it's been out by Monday. So, and it's only because my team are awesome and I'm very lucky. And I know that. must be awesome. And I apologize to them on the podcast. So what's really funny is like, they will message me going, oh, thanks for the shout out because I'm like, I'm so sorry that I've done this. So yeah, I did it week on week and it was hard and I really struggled. Whereas now, in fact, it was the interviews that have done it. Having to, when I started interviewing people and also because I'm interviewing people who are very busy, I have to, sometimes their interviews are booked up in months in advance and I've got to be organized. And also then I go through a spell of having lots of people that I interview. So at the moment I'm all the way done interview wise up until February. It's almost a bit, not embarrassing, but when someone comes on to be interviewed and I have to say to them, your episode's not going to be out until, you know, eight weeks or whatever, because I do every other, because I always do a solo, then an yeah. F, then an interview, then a solo. And for me, I like that. I like because sometimes the interviews, although they're amazing, sometimes we don't give as many kind of tips, tools, or in an as constructive way. So yeah. there's probably loads throughout the interview, but because it's not broken down into tip number one, do this. And I don't <laughs> do that on my own podcast. <laughs> but like, I feel like I need to give real, like, strategic or tools or tips so that's what I tend to use the individual episodes for and to talk about things like creating a vision board or planning next year or whatever so for me because I'm doing every other that obviously pushes it out a bit and the the solo ones I do do kind of so I've I think I'm about three weeks ahead on that so I need to obviously do some more for the future but definitely get organized definitely batch content do those first few and know that you're going to mess it up and know that you're going to be awful and you're going to listen back to yourself and you're going to think, oh man, why did I say that or do that? And you'll critique everything. And do you know what? No one else is doing it, just you. Yeah. Because then once you forget about it and you just crack on, I, d- I don't even, when I listen back to the podcast episodes to get quotes and clips and things, I barely even listen to what I say. I'm listening to what they're saying, but I barely even acknowledge me and I just think, it is what it is. And at the end of the day, you can only be the person you are. You know, don't try and pretend or be something you're not. Like, you know how you listen to some things and like they have a crazy personality or they're a particular way or they're all like radio producer sounding or something, you know. Yeah. I couldn't do that because I couldn't keep it up. So I just come on and be who I am. And if people like it, then brilliant. And I love it. And thank you. If it's not for them, it's not for them, you know, because I can't change who I am. So 
be authentic, do that batch content and also just know that you're not going to be amazing necessarily great if you are and i'm sure that there are lots of people that are amazing but just go and do it anyway and then week on week on week on week you'll get better and better and better yeah absolutely i love that that's really mm. great advice so i'd really love to know what does it mean to you to be a bigger fish oh man um it means i get to help more people it means that I get to support people in a way that is kind of, that is really odd because I almost don't even know I'm doing it, which is kind of amazing. But, you know, I don't know all the people that are listening. I don't know, you know, what they're taking from it. And, and although I get lots of lovely feedback, I still know there's lots of people who are listening that I probably don't ever hear from. And the thought that I am helping their business or I'm entertaining them or I'm interesting them is just one of the nicest things ever. It's, you know, it's amazing really. So for me, that's what it means to do what I do. That's what I love the most. Yeah, that's lovely. Well, if anybody would like to find you and I imagine they will after hearing you um, in this conversation, where's the best place to get hold of you? So you can search Teresa Heath Waring anywhere. Just Google me and you'll find me. <laughs> I'm obviously on every social media platform because I kind of have to be. However, you will find me mostly on Instagram and Twitter. And like I said, just type in the word Teresa Heath Waring and I'll be there. And then obviously my podcast is Social Media Marketing Made Simple. And again, search my website and you'll find it on there. I'm on iTunes and I'm on Stitcher as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just Google me and you'll find me. I'll certainly put a link to your podcast um, in awesome. the show notes. It's excellent. And I, I really enjoy listening to it. And I've Thank you. so enjoyed this conversation today. It's been wonderful. And you've shared so much, Teresa, honestly. It's been fantastic. So no problem. Genuinely, thank you so much for your time and for sharing so much. Thank you, Debbie. It's been brilliant. I'd like to say another huge thank you to Teresa for sharing all that insight. I hope you learned as much from that conversation as I did. If you'd like to find more information about us or about Teresa, check out the show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at beabiggerfish.net. We really hope you'll subscribe and continue to listen as we find out more secrets about podcasting and get some advice from more entrepreneurs who found podcasting a really effective way to share their message. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you soon.